Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Praise the Lord, everyone. It is July the 1st, 2020. And I want to begin tonight by saying, Happy birthday, Abundant Life. It is our 42nd birthday this day. On July the 1st, 1978, four families began Abundant Life in an upper room called Michael's Clothing Store. There, the Dean and Kathy Hickey family, the Wally and Linda Lowersdorf family, the Ron and Elaine Blank family, and the Rick and Liz Kiley family had their first service. So I want to wish all of you that are uh, listening tonight a very happy and blessed birthday. And it is an honor to speak on this occasion. My wife and I, um, aside from our devotional time of reading our Bible, also read a short devotional. And I want to share what the devotional was from yesterday because I think it will increase your faith and give you encouragement. This was written before 2016. So it's at least four years old. But this is what the devotional read. Trust me and don't be afraid. Do not be frightened by world events or news reports. These reports are biased, presented as if I do not exist. News clips show tiny bits of world events from which the most important factor has been carefully removed, my presence in the world. As journalists sift through massive amounts of information, they strain out everything about me and what I'm accomplishing on the earth. So whenever your world is feeling like a scary place, turn to me and encourage yourself in my presence. Follow the example of David, who strengthened himself in the Lord when his men were threatening to stone him. You can also find courage through remembering who I am. Ponder my awesome glory and power. Delight in my unfailing love. Rejoice that you are on an adventurous journey with me and your ultimate destination is heaven. And as you keep focusing on me and enjoying the rich relationship I offer you, fear will subside and joy will arise in you. Trust in me wholeheartedly, beloved, for I am your strength and I am your song. So I hope that encourages you tonight. My text tonight is 2 Timothy chapter 4, 6 through 8. 2 Timothy 4 and 6 reads this way, I am ready I am ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, 
but unto all them that also love his appearing. And tonight for a few minutes, I want to talk to you on this subject. Finish the course. Finish the course. Let's pray together. Jesus, we're so thankful to be able to gather around your word. Thank you for the message that has been given. Now let it be anointed, not just for the sake of the speaker, but for all that will hear. Let them receive encouragement and direction and be firm in their faith. Help them to be ready and to finish their course and to keep the faith. And we will give you the thanks and praise. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Finish the course. Let me just give you one more remark about current events. Let me summarize what I see. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. We can focus on world events or we can focus on spiritual events. And I'm here to say tonight, Jesus is coming and we better be ready. We are about to be taken out of this world. We are the only thing, the only bastion that is holding Satan back, the church. And we are about to depart. The time of our departure is at hand. And we must be ready. And we must finish our course. And we must continue to keep the faith because Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. The word course stuck out to me when I began to prepare this message. And so tonight I'm going to, I'm going to create a Forrest Gumpism, a Forrest Gumpism. You might remember if you ever did see a movie called Forrest Gump that he said his mother taught him that life is like a bunch of chocolates, a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Well, tonight, I'm going to twist that just a little bit and say life is like a golf course. Life is like a golf course. Now, I am not a very good golfer, but I do golf. I kind of play military golf. That means you hit the ball left, and then you hit it right, and then you try and hit it in the center, and, and you're kind of all over the course, but you might as well get your money's worth while you're out there, and I do. And uh, I want to make a few comparisons now, I know that I, I may, I'm speaking to the church of God. I know that there are mainly believers that are listening tonight. But if you are not a believer, I think you'll be encouraged by this message as well and hopefully find some direction for the course that God has for you. So let's talk about a few things on a golf course. Now, golf courses vary in yardage. They are not all the same number of yards. Some courses are longer and some courses are shorter. Our lives are like that, aren't they? Some of us live to be a ripe old age and others of us do not. It saddens us when people die at an early age. We think that everybody should live to be at least 70 or in their 70s or more but then we wouldn't have the average of 70. There are going to be people that are going to have shorter courses. 
than others. But that's their course. And then another thing is, courses vary in difficulty. Some courses are easy. Some courses are extremely hard. And so, again, not all courses are the same. And God knows what we can handle and what we can't. And some of us can handle more than others. And those of us that can't, he doesn't put us on that kind of a course. But I want to remind you that the goal is to finish the course because heaven awaits us after we finish the course. Now, the object of golf is to have the fewest number of strokes as possible. That means, how many times did you hit the ball? And we want to avoid strokes. Are you hearing me? We want to avoid strokes. Strokes are not a good thing. And the best way to avoid strokes is to stay in the fairway. Stay in the fairway. The grass is shorter. It is easier to hit the ball. It might be, not be the shortest distance, but it is the safest way to play the hole. Stay in the fairway. It'll make your game a lot easier. Of course, we are, we are warned that we need to stay out of hazards and traps. Golf courses have hazards and traps. There are sand hazards. I don't like being in the sand. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. You want to stay out of the sand. The, it shifts too easy. It's too difficult to play. Stay out of hazards and stay out of traps. Another thing you want to avoid is the woods. You want to stay out of the woods. Not a good place to be when you're golfing. Too many obstacles to hit around. Stay out of the woods. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, I would go to church, but. I would go to the altar, but. I would serve God, but. You are living in the woods, that's not the place you want to be. you got to come out of the woods. When you go into the woods, you're either going to have an extremely difficult shot or you're going to be in a penalty situation. Because you see, if you get off of the course, there are penalties. Penalties. You want to avoid penalties because that's an added stroke to your score. So we need to remember the most important thing is stay in bounds. I can remember preaching messages that kind of tie into this. I remember preaching a message, stay in bounds till the trumpet sounds. Some of you might remember that. I remember concerning the devotional preaching a message called the God Factor where we look at everything that's around us or the things that we fear that are in front of us and we say, well, like Israel said, we are like grasshoppers in their sight. They are like giants. They forgot the God factor. God wants to help us on our course. 
on our course. So stay in bounds. Now the word bound uh, sounds like a negative word, but it's really a positive word. We need boundaries in our life, folks. We need boundaries. They're necessary. Boundaries, you might want to write this down. Boundaries are not bondage. They are for your protection. One man said, well, what are you building walls around yourselves for? You're trying to keep things in or trying to keep things out? Let me answer that question for you. If we have boundaries and if we have walls around us, we are not keeping anybody in, but we are keeping some things out. Our boundaries are not to keep us in. Oh, it's easy to get out of the church. It's easy to get out of bounds. You could wake up tomorrow and say, I'm never going to church again. You have that choice. I remember one Sunday morning, I was standing at the back of the church. Man came up to me and I was greeting people as they were going out. And he said, well, he said it nice and loud so everybody around could hear him. He said, that's it. I am no longer coming to this church anymore. And I said, well, I'm sorry to hear that. Why won't you be coming to church anymore? He said, because this church is full of hypocrites. And I thought, hypocrites? Hmm. I said, well, sir, if you step off the curb this morning and a car hits you, what would you like me to do? He said, well, I'd like you to pray for me. I said, all right, I will. I said, is there anything else? He said, well, and call an ambulance and get me to the hospital. I said, well, why would you want to go to the hospital? Everybody at that place is either sick, diseased, or injured. You see, there are people that are in the church that are struggling with things. We're not perfect. But if you think you're going to find a perfect church, there's not going to be perfection until Jesus returns that which is perfect is come for his people. That's when perfection takes place. Boundaries are a good thing. Boundaries are a good thing. Now, speaking about getting out of bounds, this is a part of my message that the Lord laid on my heart that I want to share. There may be some of you tonight that were once on course, but you're not on course anymore. You have gotten off of the course. You are out of bounds. And you believe it's somebody else's fault. Maybe you were offended. Maybe people didn't live up to your expectations or the standard you have in certain areas of your life. And so you are no longer in the church. You have left the church. You are out of bounds. I would like to offer you this. Get back in play. Get back in play. If you're off course, get back on course. My pastor used to say, Pastor Frank Tamil said, if you get off course, you come back in where you went out. You don't jump ahead to the next hole. You take the penalty stroke for being off course, but you come back on the course where you left the course from because the most important thing is that you finish this course. That's the most important thing. Finish this course. 
And now while we're talking about abundant life being 42 years old, wouldn't it be a shame to be in the church for years, 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and not finish the course? He that endureth to the end shall be saved. we got to finish this, folks. There are no seniority rights here. we got to finish the course. I heard a story about a man on a golf course. He was on an elevated tee. That means the tee box was way up in the air. And he would shoot from a high position over a moat that was around the green. It was an easy shot. It wasn't an extremely long shot, but it required ignoring your fear of water and just hit your normal shot, lob it up, and put it on the green. But as is the case sometimes in life, things that scare us that shouldn't, it causes us to make poor decisions, to become fearful, and, and we miss the shot that we would normally make that would be an easy shot because we're thinking about the water and not visualizing putting the ball on the green. So this man took his first shot, bloop, right into the water. He proceeded to do that four more times. In all, he put five golf balls inside that water and finally he had enough. After the fifth shot of putting the ball in the water, he flung the club into the pond. That didn't satisfy him. He was still so upset that he grabbed the golf bag and threw his entire golf bag over the tee box and into the water. He was on the 18th hole. He had a bad round, and now this was just more than he could take, so he threw his golf bag into the water stormed off of the course. The people that were behind were watching, doing all they could not to laugh at him, how foolish they thought he was. And then in just a few minutes, the man came back to the same hole and walked toward the water and proceeded to walk into the water to find his golf bag. The people on the tee box looked up at him and he looked up at them and said, My keys are in my golf bag. I can't go anywhere till I get my keys out of my golf bag. He failed to finish. 17 holes he played. Maybe it wasn't a good round, but the 18th was more than he could take, and he stopped his course at that point. We must finish the course because Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Now let me give you a a few other thoughts before I wrap this up tonight. The person who owns the golf course gets to make the rules and he gets to make any minimal requirements. I went golfing the other day. I brought this card from the golf course It's a scorecard, and in in it, it shows you the degree of angles for each hole. Because sometimes you can't see the, the hole that you're shooting at, 
and you have to lay up. They call it laying up till you get a view of the hole. But when you're on the tee box, you don't know where you're going sometimes. So they give you a card. It's, it's almost like a, a miniature Bible of the golf course to help you to see where it is that you are going. John 16 and 13 says, the Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth. The Spirit leads and guides you into all truth. John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So you see, the course that we are on is paved with truth. And just as you get a scorecard and you get to write your own score, and just as you need some direction, so it is with the word of God and with the truth of God. Now God owns your golf course. He owns it. Listen to Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased. He owns it. He purchased it with his own blood. Jesus owns your golf course. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 16 reads this way. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou Simon Barjona, flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my father which is in heaven, I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. This isn't your church. This isn't my church. It's God's church. We need to remember that. The people that are in it are human and make mistakes and have faults. But that doesn't change the fact that it's God's church that he purchased with his own blood at Calvary and that the gates of hell, no matter how bad it gets, shall not prevail against it. And I'm going to make you a promise because of this revelation, Peter. I will give unto you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It is his church. It is his course. Now, if you own the course, you get to make the rules and you get to make the requirements. Uh, I went golfing the other day and the first thing they wanted, money. Some people say, oh boy, I hate that about the church. The church talks about money. Well, wait a minute. There's expense involved here. There are things that go on and, and the one that owns the course gets to establish the rate is anybody preaching with me tonight? He gets to establish the rate. And even though he already owns it, the course must be maintained. And it must be managed. And in order to have those two things that are necessary to the continuance of the golf course, there's money involved. You know when you really know that God's got a hold of your heart? when he first gets a hold of your wallet, 
when you begin to put his kingdom before your kingdom, when he's first in your budget and not just a leftover thought at the end, there is a cost financially to be on this course and it costs Jesus everything. The second thing is, when you go on the golf course, they can make the rules. They may have some kind of a dress code. They may not let you wear short shorts. They may not let men go shirtless or with tank tops. They may say, hey, we want you to wear this or we want you to wear that while you're on the golf course. They, they can have a dress code because it's their golf course. It's their golf course. And they want people to have some kind of a standard. They can determine, the third thing they can determine is they can determine what you are allowed to bring on the course. You can't bring a big picnic basket, grocery bags, and all kinds of things to eat on the golf course. They will determine what is allowed when you get on that golf course and what you can bring with you. And then the fourth thing is, they will expect a code of conduct between you and other golfers that are on the course. You must respect them. Don't hit up on them. Don't argue with them or fuss with them. Respect them. Give them their space. Let them enjoy their game of golf on the course. They too have paid. They too are living by the rules. And he gets to make the rules. He also gets to make minimal requirements. Aren't you glad for the plan of salvation? Aren't you glad that it's crystal clear what the Lord requires of us, what is required? Let me give you an example. In, in Luke chapter 13 and verse three, Jesus said, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. Repentance is not optional. It is mandatory. Each of us must approach God in our sincerity. Each of us must be willing to admit that we are sinners and that we have been on the wrong course, headed in the wrong direction, and determine that we are going to turn our face toward God, toward his word and toward his will, and stay on course. In John 3 and 5, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That sounds mandatory to me. That sounds like a minimal requirement. And to fulfill these two examples that I have just mentioned, the man who I mentioned in Matthew chapter 16, who has the keys to the kingdom of heaven, to God's church, Listen to how he uses them in Acts chapter 2. Acts 2 and 36 reads this way, Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They're willing to change and Peter said unto them just what Jesus had said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you 
and to your children and to those that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The promise has not changed. It has not changed. And finally, here's where I want to stop tonight. Not only is Jesus coming, Jesus loves you. I want that to sink in. I know you may feel guilty about some things you've done and you feel you're not worthy to be on this course, but remember this, Jesus loves you. If you're off the course, if you've made some bad shots, get back on where you went out. Let me give you this passage of scripture Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. They are thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. You will call upon me and you will go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Let me say this to those of you that have been in the church a long time. I've come too far to turn back now. There's no turning back and there's no going back. Egypt is just a memory. It's not a place and it's not an option. I'm gonna finish this course. I may make some mistakes and I may get off target, but I'm going to finish and I'm going to learn how to finish this course. I want to conclude with this. Revelations chapter 19. After the 18 holes have been finished, when the game is over, whatever that length is, whatever that difficulty was that you had, Here's what Revelations 19 and 7 says for the 19th hole. Let us be glad. Let us rejoice. Let us give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Finish the course, because on the 19th hole is heaven and the marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus, thank you so very much for allowing us to be on your course. Thank you for being our guide, making us sure of what your requirements and your desire is for each of our lives. And although there will be times where we will be in great difficulty, where we won't see where we're going, Help us, Lord, to trust your word, the map, the scorecard, 
that shows us how to finish each hole on this course. And help us, Lord, to be determined that no matter how bad it gets, how many bad shots we have, the only thing that really matters is this. We finish our course and we keep the faith. For there is a crown waiting for us and the groom with his arms open wide waiting for us to come to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Help us to finish the course and we'll give you the thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Wherever you are, you want to take a few minutes right now to talk to God, to thank you, thank him for allowing you to even be on the course and remembering, don't forget the God factor. With God, all things are possible. God bless you and have a wonderful evening. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.